0: Hey guys, it's Mark here from ETF Tracker. This is the ETF Tracker Show and welcome to Exchange Traded Fridays This is for the week ending the 27th of August and we've got to start off the show with a happy birthday because it's the 20th anniversary of ETFs coming to Australia. And we're in it because of ETFs and 20 years ago on the 27th of August there was the initial set of two ETFs that came uh, to the market back then. So all this time, the market has grown to over one hundred and nineteen billion dollars. By next month, when we get the August numbers in early September, we'll see how much more into the hundred and twenty billions we will get. So thanks for being here. And let's uh, let's get to the week in review. So let's take a look. Alrighty, so um, this is the latest newsletter. If you aren't already subscribed, then go to etftracker.com.au and you can subscribe there. Um, and as I mentioned, it's the 20 uh, year anniversary. So that's great. There's been a lot of uh, things on LinkedIn from the ASX as well. If we were able to actually do a lot of this in person, then we'd be able to see uh, you, you know, all the fanfare with um, State Street who have the Spider ETFs, which were the first ones to come here. Um, and a lot more with the other uh, ETF issuers. So the ASX celebrated when it got to fifty billion um, not long ago. So the fact that we're now uh, at twenty years, it's it's really important to look at uh, you know how the market has gone over that time. Um, in this week's uh, local news, so it's reporting season. So a lot of talk about equities, and that's important because inside those ETFs that you hold, um, equities and other holdings are inside there. So reporting is definitely uh, key there. So definitely take a look at that. Um, And we also saw in local news some talk about ETF trends, uh, what groups are buying up ETFs the most and what did well last week. And globally, we saw more talk about Bitcoin ETFs and their delays as well as what to look out for uh, when looking at ETFs. Uh, and also this week, we also made some strides into a new set of uh, ETF tracker features. So we'll go through that as well. Um, and before we get started with this week's edition, we thought we'd highlight, uh, because we go on AusBiz uh, each month to talk about the latest ETF market data and do the number crunching that we do. Um, they've got these new social media kind of tiles and they've done an over uh, an overhaul of the app that they've got. So now when you go to it, you get a For You page And it just shows you all the things that you might be interested in so you can tag and you can follow your favorite author sorry authors (laughs) you can follow your favorite experts you can follow your favorite topics and it just makes the experience uh so much easier i've got a page there so if you click on the link or the picture here you can go to ausbiz Uh, if you're not already signed up you can sign up you can tag me as something that you want to Follow and listen to and see like old videos or you can tag many others there's many other smarter people than me um, out there so i suggest you do follow and check that out at ausbiz um, in this week's newsletter we go through the local and global articles first then we've got uh videos and podcasts we've got the chart of the week as per usual we've got etf education as per usual um, some etf tracker app updates as well then we look at the forum and uh where to listen and watch okay so the first one is from etf stream and this is something that's interesting it's about um, bhp and it's about to be deleted from the major european indices because it's going to take off its primary listing from being over there in europe in london and coming back here to australia so the interesting thing is that it as a result of that indexes that follow um, or etfs that have those indices uh, in there or that these holdings in there They have to take it out of the European ones and they've got to bring it into Australia and Asia packs. So this article from ETF Stream and definitely check out ETF Stream if you haven't already, because they do a lot of local and uh, a lot of global kind of ETF articles. But it's the impact of this potential BHP uh, deletion. So it's something to, to look out for there. Um, and so they talk about the the indices where it's it's contained. Um, so the FTSE 100, MSCI Europe, Stock 600, etc. And then also if you take it out of there. What would that departure kind of look like? So, Jamie Maddock over at Caputo uh, Cheviot, um, assuming it's voted uh, through by shareholders, BHP would likely exit the FTSE UK index. And as a result, UK index trackers would be forced to sell their shares and the dividend income it generates for UK only mandates. Um, as a result of forced divestitures, passive and active would be lost. So, um, from a UK perspective, it would reduce the investable mining universe to only uh, Anglo. Glencore and Rio Tinto so that's if you're invested I mean you could be here in Australia but you could be invested over there so something uh, worth looking at however making Sydney's primary base will be much more pronounced impact uh, will be much more pronounced impact on Pacific exposures so ASX 200 uh, the MSCI Pacific ex Japan and FTSE Asia Pacific uh, indices they would increase from only 7 5.6 and 1.4 percent to 11.7 9.2 and 2.4 percent Uh, respectively. If you go to the ETF Tracker um, Instagram page, uh, if you've got Instagram, um, there is a, uh, we've got like a pie chart and we're data visualization people. We're we're not fans of pie charts. Um, There's a rhyme and reason for using those, but uh, there is a pie chart um, we have put up there, which shows what some of the biggest uh, US companies, if they were to take their listing, And for example, if Facebook or Microsoft listed on the ASX, um, what would the ASX's total uh, market cap go up to? But also, what would that company be as a part of that? And so what would Facebook be? What would Alphabet be? What would Microsoft? And we did that, and obviously it is the biggest out of all of those with CBA and Woolies and, and, and BHP, or one of those other ones being behind there. Um, but you get to see how much bigger a slice of the pie those companies would be. So this kind of article, this, you know, move of a company's primary listing from one place to another is pretty darn interesting, to be honest. So definitely check that one out. All right, this one's a new one that came out. I I saw it today. Um, So today we record this on Thursday. So it's not uh, us getting up early in the morning. It is um, late afternoon on a Thursday. But uh, this one is interesting. It's from... The folks over at Aussie X, and so their blog is called Axis, and they're formerly uh, from Comsec, so they uh, came out of Comsec, and now they're their own uh, firm with various kind of um, trading and, and technology solutions. They did this article here. They've done a few articles on ETF, so great stuff um, over there by John Rose and, and the team. Um, they've done this one here on active and we're seeing overseas and we highlighted in an article um, two weeks ago maybe last week as well there's more money going into active etfs overseas but there's also more active etfs actually being listed and what they took a look at was here in australia the new etf listed as of december last year look how many of those are active so that mandate to uh, move whether they were an LIT um, or LIC, sorry, and moving over to an open-ended kind of um, fund, um, or if they were closed and not even listed, sorry, and moving over to an open-ended fund. It, it is interesting to see more moving into the active um, ETF space, and there's a lot here on ChiX because they have um, all of the, the funds that are listed on ChiX, Magellan's and and uh, a few others. They are all active and the ASX has a few active ones as well. So definitely worth taking a look at. They go through um, some of the reasons why that might be, whether it's through innovations, um, the next gen of ETFs are so not just being passive anymore. And we see some interesting things there. We take a look at, for example, IMPQ's one that we've studied quite a bit. So in that ESG space, if you're worried about things like, say, greenwashing um, or you, you're not happy, you know, even if it's not greenwashing worried about, but you look under the hood of a particular Uh, passive ETF that is ESG and some of these ETFs they'll rebalance quarterly or every six months and if you're not happy with how you know that one looks and you want um, an active manager who's going to be uh, doing a bit more than just rebalancing on on the quarterly basis then you might want to look at a couple of active ESG ETFs and I think there's INES and then IMPQ so definitely take a look at those. And that more flexible approach is also mentioned here as to why uh, companies might be looking at more uh, active ETFs as what they list. So take a look at that one. That's uh, free to access there. And then we get to this one from Yahoo Finance. So 10 hot investing trends, how to pick the best thematic ETF uh, in this article. It's Eliza from Yahoo Finance talking with a couple of people and mentioning a couple of people from uh, the ETF market space. So there's Jessica Ramirez and Anthony Dore from Fidelity in there. And if we take a look at this one from uh, Yahoo Finance that came out yesterday, um, talks about, uh, let's let's expand that so we can see the full story. <clears throat> so it talks about the different kinds of trends that we saw. So ETF Securities is mentioned there, Um, what are the thematic kind of ETFs that have come out and who's buying that up? Um, So we've definitely seen that the younger generation coming into the investing um, space, they want ETFs uh, versus investing in single stocks uh, as per uh, Kanish Chug from ETF Securities. Uh, In the six months to June 2021, thematic ETFs under funds under management grew by more than 35%. So that's really good for that kind of interest. So things like Robo, things like cloud, um, ESG even. So definitely ones to take a look at there. There's a chart here that they show <clears throat> and it shows the millions of dollars worth of total FUM that is in uh, the market. And that's just been rising from December of 2020 and just each month into May, 2021. So just that last uh, couple of months there. So we've got more data showing that has increased further. So the data comes up to, um, we've got data up to uh, July now, (laughs) I had to check. Um, August is what we'll get next. So we should see that from uh, the investment products team at the ASX uh, around the 10th, hopefully, and um, from the ChaiX guys a little bit later in the month. um, And then we'll get that total, total picture of the market. And so the article also goes into here, how uh, to choose a thematic ETF. So which megatrend you believe in. For example, um, one person may be more inclined to invest in artificial intelligence while another person may be more wanting to go to renewable energy. Um, so Kanish again, he said it's best to choose something that you believe is going to be a true disruptor in the world for decades to come. So very important. Um, so definitely take a look at that. They've got a video here from Yahoo Finance Live. Where they chat with in the middle, we've got Jessica from Bell Direct and then Anthony Dorr from Fidelity. So take a look at that video. You can have a listen there. They talk about like what are some of the other mega trends? What are some of the thematic ETFs on the ASX? So there's things like the battery and uh, battery tech and lithium. So that's ACDC. Uh, there's also another ETF Securities one Fang, which is the Fang p- um, Plus ETF. BetaShares are there with Asia. Uh, there's a tech one from uh, the ETF uh, Securities Morningstar launch. Um, There is the Global Robotics, there's two of them. So there's Robo from ETF Securities and there's also RBTZ from BetaShares. There's a couple of other BetaShares ones here like cybersecurity and then there's also Cure from uh, ETF Securities, which is a biotech one. So definitely take a look at that. Uh, The pros and cons are here for thematic ETFs. So um, the things that you need to look at if you are going to invest in something like this. And typically you would see people put Uh, More money into like a core type holding, like a broad based ETF, VAS or IOZ, and then they'll put a certain percentage um, into a thematic. uh, You know, talk to an advisor about this before you make a decision there, um, or you know, do more research. This is definitely not advice, but that's typically what we would see. Um, and so they talk about the pros and cons uh, to, to look out for here. So access to long term growth trends, potentially offering outperformance That's an advantage there. Uh, an educational journey and a chance to learn. That's right. Um, if you're looking at a cybersecurity uh, ETF and you didn't know much about the industry, by holding something like that, a cybersecurity ETF like Hack and learning more about the companies that are in there, seeing more of that kind of stuff in the news. You've got like a, a much more um, vested interest in a particular theme or topic if you actually have some risk on the table. You put some money into it. So that's definitely um, something to look at there. But yeah, definitely take a look at that. But there are some downs downsides to look at. Um, for example, they're looking at Tesla here when it's strongly outperformed. Um, to its S&P uh, inclusion and it's underperformed since its S&P inclusion. So, you know, things like that just, just need to look out for um, when you're choosing that type of uh, ETF. Alrighty. Uh, the next one here is from the crew at uh, Best ETFs. And so this is from the guys at RASC. Um, they've got a lot of int, uh, education on, on the investment space. So investment education. There we highlighted them last week they have something on esg so in this uh this week's article they're looking at vgmf this is the vanguard global multi-factor active etf so what's taken there so it's active um it's not a passive tracking looking at a benchmark so that's good active has advantages even though For the most part, Active Management has underperformed, but Active is built in such a way that it does have that capability to outperform an index, not just track along with an index. So that's something to think about. Um, and it's a global multi-factor one. That's interesting for us because uh, you know we, we are firm believers over here at ETF Tracker having worked in the kind of factor modeling space before. So factors are things like value, quality, momentum. Um, so this particular ETF has a multi-factor kind of approach to it. So it might be mixing some of those. We haven't deep dived into it. We can do that at a later stage. But some of the highlights here from this article, uh, that this is a um, below $100 million in thumb. Um, ETF, so it's got thirty-one point nine two, which is a lot of money, but compared to some other ETFs, it's not as much. So it's important to consider if this ETF is uh, too small potentially for your kind of investment strategy and your portfolio. Um, the the guys over at Best ETF say that uh, with something that's more with an ETF that's more than hundred million invested, it's typically more sustainable. Than one with less than 100 million um this is because if an ETF is too small it may not be suitable for an ETF issuer or provider um, such as Vanguard to c- continue operating it and we've seen that like just because there are new ETFs listed there are ETFs that also um, get taken away as well <clears throat> so it's certainly something to consider there that said they say here that um, there are exceptions to this rule of thumb especially if the ETF issuer is committed to growing the ETFs thumb to the point where it becomes profitable. And so we've seen uh, some growth and I'm not saying that 100 million, I don't think that they're saying as well that 100 million is the mark that you need to kind of necessarily look at. Um, it does depend on a variety of factors, but there are those ETFs that have grown very fast. So I think of uh, the Van Eck one eSpo, um, that's an eSports ETF, E-S-P-O. Uh, there was a good, uh, podcast from the Ideas Exchange, uh, which is the ASX uh, podcast on all things uh, investment products and, and a lot of ETFs. And they had the guys from van Eck uh, talking about that particular etf and that was quite interesting because they've grown it to over a hundred million dollars in fund, but it's only been around since late 2020 so it's just proven really popular and they've done a lot of work to push that one up so that's something to think about as well they talk about don't forget about the vgmf fees here and then what are some of the things that you need to look at next um so make sure you check that article out and then we go to this one from morningstar And uh, we'll mention the Morningstar guys a little bit later on in the podcast section. But this one's from Shani over at Morningstar. And she's got this article here. It's called Where ETF Investors Are Putting Their Money in 2021. And what they've done, they've got a list of um, uh, sections and charts here looking at uh, where investors have parked their money. So they look firstly at the categories. So this first one here is looking at the various um, kind of categories of ETF. So there's Australian equity international equity fixed interest multi-sector alternatives cash and currency and um, by no no surprise to us but maybe surprise some viewers the most common etf category where investors park their money for australian etfs is international equity by a long long shot um a long long shot (laughs) um so When we take a look at the graph here, uh, they they are looking at this in uh, billions of dollars or, sorry, millions, but it's in thousands on the uh, the axis here. So um, Australian equities were between 1 billion to 2 billion. International equities were between 4 to $5 billion. So there's a lot of money going into those. Um, They also have a look at a chart here, which shows which ETFs had the biggest in and outflows in 2021. And uh, it was talking about investors ditching Magellan and embracing uh, sustainability, which is really interesting. So the beta shares uh, global sustainability leaders, ETHI, had the fourth largest quantity of flows in 2021. We can see that in the ETF tracker data as well, which we get from the same kind of source. So you can explore that there too. And the the one that had the most was VAS, so Vanguard's Australian uh, Shares Index. There's the Vanguard-Misky Index International Shares one. Diversified High Growth, VDHG, um, which is quite a popular one amongst retail uh, traders. And then Ethi is there as fourth. The biggest outflows was the Magellan Global Fund, which is interesting as well because um, they still are the biggest in terms of fund, but when they listed... They didn't list with zero fund they listed in i think it was like october or november last year and they brought their 11 12 billion dollars of funds under management to the market so they've had more outflows in 2021 but they're still really high up there so that's important to look at as well and then we take a look at providers and so what they've done here at morningstar shiny and the team have looked at uh, where investors have parked uh, money with uh, certain providers so you have these ETF issuers and you don't necessarily buy or you don't buy the ETFs directly from them. There are brokers. So whether that's Perla um, or Six Park or the guys at OpenTrader and, and various other superhero, many, many, many more. Um, so you can, you can take a look at that. You might already be invested with one um, through your bank or whatever, but the ETF issuers are the ones that issue these ETFs that are listed on the exchanges that can be bought through the brokerages. And, Vanguard had the most uh in the year of 2021 so far. And after that was uh BetaShares, then Van Eck and then iShares. So they're the four biggest players. And if you're looking for more ETF ideas, then definitely check out what Morningstar has to offer. So take a look at that article there. And then we've got this article here from The Australian and um we're able to access it even though we uh we did finish up our um uh, subscription to the Australians, so we've still got access uh, so if you don't then you know take a look at this video and you can take a look um, so this one came out uh, a couple of days ago and it's talking about where uh, young investors are parking their money and it's mostly in ETFs and part of that reason is because and we've seen that in other articles uh, that we've we've had through these uh, these reviews and that was because of things like sky-high property prices that they mentioned um, the coronavirus pandemic is accelerating uh, the, the investment space and there's a lot of low-cost ways to get exposure to uh, financial assets as they look at here. So, what um, they mention is of uh, the first-time ETF investors this year, 53% were in the 18 to 39 age group. And I just make that group barely and you can pick which side I'm on in that. Whereas two decades ago, um, that was just 31%. So it's not quite double, but it's a big jump from thirty-one percent of um, eighteen to thirty-nine year olds. Uh, you know, two uh, two decades ago. Now it doesn't say here whether that was um, because you know there weren't that much ETFs here, or they were looking at global kind of ETFs. And even if it was Australian investors here, they might have been parking their money in global ETFs. It doesn't say, but still, regardless, there is that big uh, big kind of jump there. So the report also found that more than one in four new investors were women compared to less than one in 10 back in 2001. So that's awesome. It's uh, much more um, open in terms of like who is buying that kind of stuff. So that's great as the adoption rates continue to grow. And then we also take a look at some of the other um, statistics that they mentioned here. So this shift in demographics has coincided with record inflows into exchange traded products with uh, more than 36 billion invested in the last 12 months pushing local growth uh, for the investment vehicle higher than all other major financial markets, including North America and in Europe. So there's a lot more growth over there as well. Over the last 10 years, Australian ETFs have seen a compound annual growth rate of 28.4% compared to 17.4% in North America and 15.1% in Europe. And so that's amazing for Australian E3F growth. And when you think about some of the other things that could be tailwinds or, you know, future things that will push uh, the market forward, Australia has such a large um, asset base in terms of pension funds or we call the superannuation here. It's called uh, pension funds in the US and that base of retirement kind of savings. It's the fourth largest in the world here in Australia and we're seeing more and more um, wealth advisors and superannuation firms looking into etfs so it's definitely got a lot more um popular so if you're interested in all of this um, you can check out this australian article and you can also listen to uh, the australians money cafe where they've got this special ethical investing edition so that goes for 45 minutes so if you want to listen to that check it out and then the last one we've got here in the local news is uh, the one that we usually round off with, which is the ETF securities monitor. and monitor. That's for the week ending the twentieth of August. So, if you're keeping an eye on things, um, then you know make sure that you subscribe to ETF securities because they do this weekly monitor. It's got some other trends there, like what's happened for year to date and over the last twelve months. Uh, they look at flows and performance, and as we click on this and go to the monitor, downloads a PDF. And let's zoom in and take a look. So what did well uh, last week? So for the week ending um, Friday, the 20th of August, it was beta shares on top with their US dollar hedge fund, strong US dollar hedge fund called Yank, Y-A-N-K. And that was up at 70, 7.2%, followed by uh, the Strong Bear ETF, Australia Equity Strong Bear. Um, so that is B-B-O-Z, 5.4%. And so that is a leveraged ETF. And that's something that does really well when, uh, sorry, not just leverage, but it's leveraged and it's short uh, the market. So it's a bear fund. Um, it is something that does well when the market doesn't do well. So that's why it's up 5.4%. In terms of what was not doing well last week, uh, it was the resources. So there's one here from BetaShares and there's another one from State Street. their Spider brand of ETFs and they were both down 109 and 10.8% uh, respectively. But it is just one week. You take a look at things, what's happened over the year today. So the geared US play, so that is long the market and it's leveraged. So make sure you watch out with um leverage types of ETFs and make sure that that fits in your portfolio style uh, and just aware of you know what the pros and cons are there. So GGUS and also another leverage one, um, the long Nasdaq one from ETF Securities that was up 40%. The GGUS was up 43%, and there's uh, some other ones here. So that's performance. Uh, there's also flows where most of the money has been going into. We mentioned uh, ETHI before, and we can see here that on one-week flows, it's the fourth largest. It had nearly $23 million, uh, coming into it. Over the year to date, 2021, it was mentioned in the other article as it, it was fourth um, in terms of inflows. It's actually third according to the latest data as of the 20th of August. So thanks to ETF Securities for this. It has $434 million, so that means that more and more people, investors and advisors, are parking money into these sorts of ETFs. So that's very well done for the sustainable kind of crowd. And then before that, it's the International Equity Series from Vanguard and the Australian Shares Index one from Vanguard. So definitely worth taking a look at there. Alrighty. And so that's uh, that's the local news. We don't have that much in terms of the global. There were more articles there, but um, you know we, we want to keep to a good time um, with this. Like last week, we only just figured out with our YouTube videos how to slice things up so that you can um, just ch- uh, skip straight to a chapter there. So we, we didn't unfortunately have that for um, the original kind of uh, videos that we put out six weeks ago. So we're starting to add those in. So thanks very much for those that uh, trudged along and listened to most of the episodes um, before i'll i'm not sure how to put in these kind of um uh, shortcuts in spotify uh, or the podcast because you can access the podcast even without spotify if you go to etftracker.com.au and go to the podcast page you can see something at the top there that will take you to a list of links whether it's the youtube page or you've got a player on uh the website itself and you can listen for free so yeah, this one here is from Financial Times. It's asset managers rush to file applications for Bitcoin futures ETFs, and we've seen a lot of the the global news. If you followed along <clears throat> for the last uh, six weeks, you would have seen that a lot of the global news on ETFs is dominated by this talk of potential uh, Bitcoin ETFs, and you know, will they? Won't they? What's the SEC going to do? What's Gary Gensler going to do? Um, and that SEC Chair Gary Gensler, when he was first coming in, people were really um, interested in him him coming in because they thought that he was more of a crypto bull. Um, and he's he's not approved it, or not just him, but the the whole SEC hasn't approved any crypto ETFs just yet. But there were positive signs that we highlighted last week in an article, which showed that uh, there's more. Um, there was like some positive signs towards uh, a Bitcoin futures application. So I think there was like some commentary from Gary and the team talking about Bitcoin uh, and crypto kind of futures. And what we saw in an article is that it said that this is likely um, going to see more applications for Bitcoin futures ETFs, which is a good sign because in any kind of product, um, what you want to try to avoid is volatility. And we know that with Bitcoin, Um, You can lose a lot in a day just as much as you can gain in a day and that's going to be really hard for anyone that is trying to create an ETF in the space if the price is so volatile. But with a Bitcoin futures or any kind of futures contract, what you're able to do is hedge against those future price fluctuations. And that can help um, just stabilize things a little bit better and gives more of a chance for an actual crypto kind of uh, instead of just like an ETF that's buying into companies that have a little bit of um, crypto or blockchain exposure instead, you know, directly with ETFs investing in crypto. So. Long winded explanation. Let's get to the article. Um, they've said that at least four managers, pardon me, uh, have filed the ETFs that invest in Bitcoin futures after the SEC chair, as I said, Gary Gensler, earlier this month indicated that he could approve such funds. Great. So which ones were they? So there's Valkyrie that's mentioned here. It's the latest fund shop to throw its hat in the ring with a futures focused Valkyrie Bitcoin strategy ETF. So Valkyrie's a US, I think they're US-based, so definitely not in Australia, not yet. Um, Vanex also um, disclosed plans to launch a Bitcoin futures ETF. And uh, do they talk about the other ones here? Yep. And then there's also Invesco and ProShares. So out of those four, it's only really VanEck that's here in Australia. So maybe they'll do something here too. Um, the guys over at Monochrome and I think it was shares earlier in the year spoke about looking into like a crypto kind of or Bitcoin based ETF. But if you saw um, earlier this week, we had uh, our Interviews with Experts uh, episode with Peter Harper from BetaShares. He mentioned that they had looked at it, but they withdrew that application because what they were looking at was companies that might have some blockchain um, type exposure. But when they looked at it further, it just wasn't enough for them to be satisfied to really establish that as like a Bitcoin sorry, or, or a crypto based or blockchain type ETF. So. Fair play, fair play um, to them. But I think there was also, it was either Vanek or Vanguard as well here in Australia, but definitely the, the guys at Monochrome. So Jeff, you um, and the team at Monochrome were looking at launching some something there. But here in Australia, it's not the SEC, but uh, ASIC, they had a, uh, what was it called? It's a consultation paper. And so they put a paper out disclosing, you know, some interest of things that they're looking at for a Bitcoin or crypto type ETF. And they invite people to, usually companies to respond to that so it's likely going to be the exchanges it might be um, ETF issuers and other interested parties that uh, would be involved in the ETF market so that's something to look out for here. Um, They go through another couple of details here in terms of um, Bitcoin futures ETFs so definitely take a look at that one. Um, So there was no need for a, a, a login Um, to get to this article here sorry uh, no need for I think you still need to log in with the FT but uh, you don't necessarily need to be a paying um, customer Uh, we used to and I think I've still got a login but uh, I don't currently pay uh, for the FT I've got enough subscriptions as it is Um, but some of the articles you can definitely access for free so take a look at that one All right. And the other one before we go uh, from the global articles is this one from US News. So I've not accessed this site before, but when I do my searches of what's going on in the ETF markets, this one came up. So it says advisors, uh, why Bitcoin ETFs are delayed. So this is an article going through the delays to SEC approval for a Bitcoin ETF and more on the regulation as well as alternatives to Bitcoin ETFs for those that are interested. And so this article here, when it opens up, so they go through, uh, apart from the, uh, the intro, regulation in Bitcoin ETFs. So talking about the SEC again and uh, the, what, what's been done to effectively kibosh what they're saying here is any imminent regulatory approval of a Bitcoin fund. Um, but they also left the door open for a particular structure. Oops, an ad popped up. For a particular structure of ETF that would uh, give investors exposure to the popular um, cryptocurrency so they take a look at uh that there they also take a look at uh talking about how approvals do take time and that's true so on uh, the etf tracker blog one of the first articles we looked at was the history of etfs and how long it took way back when in 1992 93 for um an etf to to finally be listed there so it was spoken about i think in the late 80s after the first wall street crash and the idea to to do something um like an exchange traded fund uh and how that would work and it it took so long it took many years for that uh, regulatory approval to happen so no doubt, you know, there are going to be these delays as the the market wants to really make sure that it has the safety barriers in place just in case of um, sudden losses, for example. So they also talk about is uh, Bitcoin right for an ETF. Um, So they mention here ETFs are designed to aggregate exposure into assets that aren't easily accessible in traditional investing. But with Bitcoin, uh, this person explains that an account owner needs to, all an account owner needs to do is download an app to begin trading and managing uh, his or her digital assets. So a Bitcoin, um, it, it, he adds the Bitcoin differs from an investment like gold where an ETF eliminates the hassle of storing, shipping and securing the hard assets. So to some putting Bitcoin in an ETF is like putting gasoline in a Tesla, it doesn't quite make sense. So the, the premise there is that it's easy Um, to to log in and uh, go to Coinbase or Binance, even though coins had uh, a couple of issues uh, with logins and two-factor authentication uh, during the week if you look at some of the news articles. But still, uh, overall, it is easier to buy into Bitcoin. Um, We've done, I've done some stuff with eToro way back in 2017 when the market was uh, initially peaking, then dropped back to normal levels. And then I sold out when it was like, I think the price was, uh, you know, at the time it was extraordinary. What was it, like a thousand or something like that. And, uh, I wish I'd held it because, you know, look at where we, we are at now. Um, yes, it went up to 60,000 dropped to 30 it's rising back up again at the fifty thousands. Um, yeah. So it is easier now than just a few years ago and from, you know, over a decade ago to buy into to Bitcoin, but at the same time, uh, yeah, some people might want to have that in an ETF still. So they look at alternatives uh, to Bitcoin ETFs here. So for example, there's crypto asset manager, Valkyrie. They filed an application to launch uh, a, and we mentioned this above, a Bitcoin futures ETF that we trade on the CME. Um, There was a few others here. So that is an alternative to a direct uh, Bitcoin ETF. So that's certainly something to look at. And then they also mentioned that investors and advisors should do their homework. So once you be, Bitcoin ETFs to launch. That will be good investments for investors looking for exposure to the asset class. However, before an investor jumps, they need to do due diligence. Learn about the risks, like with anything, um, the volatility and the market itso- itself. So like any investment, these products should only be used if they fit with an investor's objective and fit with their investment plans. Absolutely right. So definitely take a look at this article if you're interested in the state of play overseas anyway uh, with Bitcoin uh, ETFs. Alrighty, so we are at the video section and um the first one here is something that we did on wednesday and as i mentioned <clears throat> we have these new sets of um things to add to the etf tracker show which is the interviews with experts so over the next couple of weeks and we'll see how far we can extend uh, that we'll be talking with etf market participants so be it the issuers advisors exchanges uh some of the people that are looking at things from the academic perspective uh the robo advisors even the market makers so we've got a set of interviews lined up and uh this was episode two that came out on wednesday so you can check that out on spotify you can check it on our podcast page on the website and you can also check it out on the youtube page and so that's where this link goes to so let's have a look at that it might jump straight into the interview okay so just lower that down. So here's a YouTube page, and um, as you go into it, you can see here that we we're talking with Peter Harper from Beta share. So thanks to the folks over there and Peter for showing us that diversification and ability to not have to pick one stock or another. And as you can see, you know we're we're talking about a whole variety of things. And as I mentioned, you know I just figured this out how to actually put some time stamps in there so you can jump directly to a particular area, right? You can jump directly to um, these certain sections within the uh, within the uh, the video. So this was a 29 minute video, but you don't have to listen to the whole 29 minutes. You might just look at something that you're particularly interested in and jump straight to that. So that one's worth a look at. And then there's a couple from Ausbiz. So the first one here is megatrends versus product uh, innovation, the ETFs and stocks making mega waves and this is from ETF security so we had Chad from there talking about the shift in thematic trends from ESG to uh, to now lithium and when are the right times to get your money in to capture those trends and then we also had the compound if you're not already a subscriber they have two shows a week early morning just like the ETF tracker show um, early morning from the US and so definitely one uh, to take a look at and this one was The secret inflation target is, um, what are your thoughts? So the show, the segment is, what are your thoughts? And uh, the guys at the compound in this episode, it was Josh and Ben, usually it's Josh and Mike, but in this case, it's Josh and Ben. They go through a few topics like inflation targets for the Fed, China's stock market, and some stats on how how often the S&P is up versus down. Here's a hint, it's had more above 20 percent years than negative and negative any it could be negative two negative four negative ten so it's had more plus plus 20 percent years than it's had negative years over the last 95 years of existence so that's it's a very good sign you know markets go up but they also go down but when they have gone up they've gone up much more often than down so uh, i say here in the newsletter to take a look at the chart below so we'll jump to that the the chart that they've got here is basically showing the S&P. And so we'll open that up. Actually, sorry, it opens up, it opens up directly to the YouTube uh, page. Um, And so you can jump straight to that section of where the YouTube, uh, where the chart is in that YouTube um, video. And so what they're showing here is the percentage that the S&P 500 is off of its highs. And so for 2021 so far, we've been pretty darn lucky because um, the most that it's been off its highs has been 4.2%, and that was in March. It's been off its highs uh, close again in May, and that was just uh, above 3.6, and bet- between 3.6 and 4.2%, and currently we're near highs again. Um, so when they recorded this uh, chart from y Charts, it was August 23, and it showed that um, it was near its all-time highs, just a little bit below that. And so uh, that's definitely something worth uh, looking at there. And then um, let's go back up. So we skipped a few. So there's another one from Ausbiz. What's trending in ETFs? And this one is from uh, Blair at uh, BetaShares chatting with Nadine from Ausbiz talking about new trends, including the $2.8 billion of inflows we've seen in the overall ETF markets, as well as other trends and how ETFs can provide ways to find returns where the markets are trading sideways. So that one is worth a look at. And then there's this, uh, there's this video here from Bell Direct, and they chat with the ASX. So they're looking at five major drivers of ETF growth. And so it's Jess Amir from Bell Direct talking with Rory Cunningham. Uh, he's a senior manager over at the investment products team at the ASX. They take care of ETFs. And so definitely worth um, uh, taking a look at this article because they're very close to the ETF space. They go through some of the research that they've seen in ETF investing, as well as further talk on mega trends and the tilt towards more global investing, what happens with uh, ETFs. And so they finish up with a talk on multi-asset ETFs, which investors might not have heard of uh, and have a listen to. So yeah, definitely have a look at this one here. It goes for nine minutes. So we'll just click on the link there so you can see. So it's there's a YouTube page, but there's also the show notes and stuff that they've got here within the Bell Direct page. Or you might find it on Uh, YouTube directly so definitely take a look and like with all interviews even the ones that we're doing this is all done online so um, you know hopefully we'll be able to get back uh, and see people uh, more soon so there's Jess there's Rory so definitely take a look at that one there okay Alrighty, two more. So we've got the uh, Ausbiz ones again. So this is actually, these ones are interesting because these are from last week. So when we recorded the show, like I said, it's on Thursday so that it goes out on Friday morning. So it's not quite like a week ending uh, in review, but we, we push this out at the end of the week, you know, a way to start your Friday mornings So now you're geared up and ready for holidays, but it's in case you miss something during the week. And so these are actually from last week, but they came after we published the last episode and after the newsletter came out. So I think it's worth definitely taking a look at. Um, So the first one is uh, warning, ETFs are not a risk-free shortcut to investing. And so this is an interview um, with Annette from Ausbiz and Pat Garrett of Six Park talking about checklists that ETF investors need to go through as this asset class can be just as volatile as others. And that's certainly the case if you've been an investor and you were riding the waves up in 2020, when the markets were rising after you know hitting lows in March and it was easy to make uh, money there. But I think a lot of new investors are seeing the pain from, say, losing money earlier this year in technology stocks and having value stocks being the ones that were rising instead of the opposite way around. And so it's definitely something that you should take a look at if you're wondering about the risks of ETFs. And then there's another one here from Jody and the crew over at um, at e-invest and it's an ESG uh, related one. So is the ESG trend an all millennial phenomenon? Uh, So we're including this one from last week. It's uh, about how ETF investors are becoming more climate conscious and how we can expect more to pull, we can expect more investors to pour funds into ESG investing. So that goes for four minutes. So definitely check that out. And then in the podcast space, because um, it is kind of uh, reporting season, one of the Australian ones we've got here is from Equity Mates. And so this is their Australian reporting season wrap. So they've got Atlassian, Telstra, Coles, REA Group, and Goodman Group. And the description from the Equity Mates uh, podcast, they say here it's the third of our Equity uh, Mates quarter specials where we listen to the earnings calls of companies that interest us. So it's Equity Mates, guys using the app quarter um, which is a great app if you're looking into earnings calls, so definitely check that one out um they've been taking out the best bits and uh uh, using the app quarter we've been taking out the best bits and take and talking about what it means so because for a long time now we've had a gripe with earnings calls why they're at inconvenient times they're hard to find and listen to on demand so that's why they use a quarter app but definitely one to look at if you're interested in any of those companies that are there. But if you're not already a subscriber, definitely look at the equity mates, whether it's on Spotify or Apple or you look at things on YouTube um, or you see them on Ausbiz, Uh, they're talking with a lot of uh, interesting kind of crew from the investment space as well as companies that are reporting. Um, Continuing on with the local uh, kind of podcast, there's also Phil Muscatello's Shares for Beginners. And this one's interesting. He talks with the folks at Morningstar. So it's Shani and Mark, and it's called Getting Ready to Invest. And the description from Phil here is that sometimes the hardest part is getting started. So, uh, or getting started the right way. So too many people jump into the share market thinking there are quick gains that will solve all their financial problems. So he was joined by Shani and Mark um, from the Investing Compass podcast to talk about some of the steps that you can take before heading off down um, the investment road. And I listened to that podcast when it came out. There's a lot of interesting kind of features in there from how you do, uh, anyone can do the types of uh, analysis on particular holdings, equities, or ETFs, how you can look at those things and what type of thinking you need to do before making uh, those investments and how Morningstar can help. So definitely take a look at that one. It is very helpful. Even for someone like me that's been involved, that's already investing, I find that kind of information quite useful too. And then we jump back to the first one here in terms of podcasts. This is from global uh, CNBC, in fact, and it's from ETF Edge. They've got that podcast uh, and they have quite a few interesting things that come out during the week. So this one is on reopening trades and mutual fund ETF conversions. And so the description that they have there is that um, CNBC's Leslie Picker fills in for Bob Pisani. And um, so Bob Pisani is usually the host, so he's the voice that you normally hear. But they speak with Byron, uh, sorry Brian Lake, head of America's ETF clients at JP Morgan Asset Management, and also from uh, Todd Rosenbluth, Senior Director of ETF and Mutual Fund Research at CFRA. So they discuss the resurgent opening trades, consumer resiliency, mutual fund conversions, and the rise of active management. And as we mentioned above in our articles, there's been a lot more, and even in last week's, um, there's a lot more actively managed uh, ETFs. And um, maybe it's not just active uh, management in ETFs, but just more active management overall. And so uh, they also talk with Tina Herrera, um, YWCA's board of directors, and they share the factors behind their impact shares, YWCA women's empowerment ETFs. So in the ETF space, definitely take a look at that one if you are a global ETF investor. And then the tweet of the week, relating it back to the above, um, it is from Todd Rosenbluth who was one of those guests on ETF Edge. And so in this tweet, which you can click on here, or you can take a look at the chart, uh, sorry, you can take a look at the uh, the image that we show. So he says here in his tweet, a well-timed discussion of the growth of active ETFs took place on CNBC yesterday. I referenced that Capital Group would soon be joining other big boys and girls like Fidelity, JP Morgan, PIMCO, T. Rowe in ETF land. So there's an Uh, there's a chart here as well on the image and it looks at the largest active ETFs and so ARK is up there Um, there's JP Morgan ultra short income um, ETF and there's the PIMCO short uh, ETF as well so take a look at that one and then in the chart of the week we go back to uh, an article uh, that came out from Morningstar that we showed which was the the image that we had where it was the ETF categories and where the most funds were going into in 2021. So if you didn't take a look at the article, then we highlight it here because it's a very important thing to remember that um, there are all these interesting ETFs, but most of the money is going into Australian and global equities. And it doesn't mean that you can't get uh, gains and get some good performance and diversify with other types of ETFs. But if you are interested in where most of the money is going, then definitely take a look at those categories there. And then in further ETF education, we mentioned the guys at Finder here. And so Kylie Purcell takes care of investing or things investment over at finder.com.au. And they've got here a beginner's guide to exchange traded funds. So if you Google how to get started with ETFs or ETFs, invariably you'll find um, Finder as being one of those first links there because they do a lot of work with uh, the ETF space. And so great summary there from um, Kylie and the crew. they show some of the factors to look at when buying ETFs. So this is a great one to look if you're getting started. So um, how to buy ETFs in five easy steps is what they they look at. They update those articles regularly. So definitely worth um, checking out. I know they've got a lot of of other things like uh, the best insurance and credit cards and all that kind of stuff, but ETFs are also an important and growing in popularity investment vehicles. So if you're just getting started in investments, it's a good place to, to take a look at. Now, the exciting part for me, not that the other stuff wasn't exciting, but this is more closer to home, Um, ETF Tracker is going through a couple of updates and uh, there's a few different things we're looking at and some that are more immediate to to see. And so we've made um, some strides during the week with some new features to the ETF Tracker app that's going to go out in the next couple of weeks. I'll show you something uh, below. Um, but one of the first ones to take a look at is with the ETF Holdings uh, analysis tools. So originally, when you go to ETF tracker at the top of the page, if you're not already on the page right now, and it's this is for mo- this is not for mobile, sorry. We, we don't have a mobile app just yet. This is more for desktop. Cost a lot of money to do uh, it costs a lot of money to do a mobile um, app. so we're not doing something like that just uh, just yet. but, Um, With the desktop apps that we do have and we build them with Power BI and there's a lot of code that goes into the background to get all the data together Um, with those kinds of ETFs. I'm just going to turn the sound down on the other computer. Um, It's uh, yeah, it's displayed with uh, Power BI and that's a Microsoft kind of product that's really interactive and nice to look at. And If you want to talk about Power BI, hit me up because I do a lot of consulting and help um, in that space. But uh, going back to. The features that we've had, we used to cover just beta shares, uh, iShares and State Street in terms of holdings. And we have these apps that would do holdings analysis. Now we have Eck, and we've added ETF securities and we're working on Vanguard. And once we've got that with those six ETF issuers, that will cover about 170 plus ETFs of the 240 plus or sorry, two around 240 that are in the market. So I think it's 230 to 240. Um, Now, many of those, uh, sorry, maybe about 40 of those are actively managed. So if we're covering about 170 out of the 200, that's nearly the whole um, Aussie ETF market. We have them in separate apps because what we want to do is allow users to pick, say, a couple of ETFs and you can see what the holdings are and you can compare within an ETF issuer how similar the holdings are. And then if you want to look for a specific ETF, like you want to look at where, sorry, a specific holding, like I want to see ETFs that have Apple, or CBA, or Tesla, or Afterpay, or Zip, or whatever it is, you can type a search, um, you can type in the search bars there to look at where those, uh, which particular ETFs have those holdings that are in them. So those are all in separate apps at the moment because each of the ETF issuers has different naming conventions for those holdings so they don't all use the same identifier and they don't have the same name so commonwealth bank might be in all uppercase in one it might be in lowercase in another it might not just be commonwealth bank it's got the full official um, name on those particular companies there so it takes a little bit more work to kind of pull it together but eventually the idea is going to be that you will have one app where you can look at etf holdings type in what's in your portfolio and just see how much there is in terms of similarities. So check those ones out for now, even though they're separate, they can still help you. Um, and then the other uh, app update is that what we've seen um, and what we've had in terms of feedback is that the ETF tracker, the old version had um, had a lot of things that you know we've improved uh, based on that. Um, And in the new version, it's far too technical. So what we've done recently is look at ways to make it easy. If you just wanted to analyze a single ETF or look at like some high level thematics, how do we make that happen? And so we'll show you a little preview here. And so if you're listening in, unfortunately, you can't see this. I'm going to force you to have to jump over to the YouTube channel to look at this. But We've got um, a couple of improvements here, such as the menus now having names on them rather than having to hover over them. So we make it easier to see, but we've got this new section for single ETFs. And so we're looking at Asia here and we've got descriptions as to what details there are about this ETF. So we can see it's provided by BetaShares. Um, The category is it's Equity Asia, what benchmark it's tracking as well, a bit of a description about the ETF, some links as well. So you can go to the fund website or you can go to Google Finance. And if you go to Google Finance, you can see um, some further up-to-date pricing information about the ETF. And then we've got uh, six charts here, and these charts show uh, returns. They show inflows and funds under management, number of trades, distribution yield, and management expense ratios. And there's other metrics there, but these are some of the major ones to look at if you're assessing an ETF. And so. There is just a simple filter here. So if I wanna look at ACDC, I can scroll down or I can type in a search or I can just click on if I see it in the list and now it changes and We see information about the ACDC ETF that uh, it's benchmark is the sole active uh, battery value chain. And we can see what its uh, current and cumulative returns are. We can see the number of trades, its yield um, when most of its net inflows came in. So that was in uh, July. Uh, Recently, So it's had 51 million in terms of uh, inflows there and what its overall thumb looks like. So you can take a look at that one. And the idea is that if you want to explore, um, that might be enough for you as a snapshot. But if you want to explore more, you can click on the expand button and we take you to a page that talks more about performance. What are the things to look out for in terms of performance? So this is more of an educational kind of way of assessing these uh, single ETFs. We've still got the menu here with regards to the old app. So that is still there. So you can still explore the ranks and what's done good and bad, explore things by months. Um, and we're overhauling the dashboard page as well, but we're combining it with more of these educational and easier to use features. And this is this is the uh, drawing board essentially for our ETF tracker where I build a lot of the stuff. So take a look at that. So um, we talk about, you know, digging deeper and looking under the hood of ETFs. Well, you just got to see under the hood of ETF Tracker. And so um, hopefully this has helped if you're listening in, but uh, if you are able to definitely check that out on uh, the YouTube page and you can see that um, live. All right. Uh, so the last one is ETF Tracker Forum. If you haven't already checked that out, um, we are seeing more questions there. Um, we're seeing more people talk about different things to analyze in terms of ETFs. we're putting a couple more updates and stuff as well so there's a couple of different sections here like general discussion etf market updates videos and podcasts that we might see that are interesting so we update that there and we post things there so you don't have to wait until the end of the week to see some of these things as we see it we'll be throwing things there in um, the etf tracker forum Uh, there's a couple of feature requests that have come through as well Uh, some people have actually asked for single etf analysis and as i showed you we're trying to cater more towards that with the etf tracker updates and some people have actually given portfolios right so whether it's facebook groups or on reddit they've actually said that i've got these portfolio these etfs within my portfolio what do you think and over here we're not advisors but we do look at things from a very data-driven perspective And using our data knowledge and our uh, background in in terms of investments, we'll just highlight some interesting things in terms of uh, the portfolios there. And we'll be continuing to add to that. So definitely check that one out. And then finally, uh, if you are listening uh, or watching and you're interested in doing that, then you can follow along with the YouTube page, which you might already be watching. So make sure to hit like and subscribe and share this. Yada yada, all of that kind of good stuff, and we're also on Spotify, and you can also check it out on the podcast page on the website. You can see all the socials here. So, like I said, there's YouTube, there's Spotify, there's Instagram. If you're not already there, we do a few things on Twitter. Um, we're also on TikTok, so yeah, check that out, um, and also LinkedIn. So make sure you take a look at that. And that's it. That's uh, that's the ETF tracker newsletter update for the week ending the twenty seventh of August. Like I said, it is the happy birthday moment for ETFs in Australia. They turn 20 um, in Australia. They're already legal uh, enough to be able to drink uh, over in the U.S. and then you've got to wait till you're 21. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a big milestone there for ETFs. And so if you've been in the market this long, congratulations. If you've held ETFs in the Australian market for 20 years, congratulations. You've, you are a pioneer and you're really helping out the space. So this is something certainly worth looking at so yeah if you're interested in more of these kinds of articles make sure that you uh, continue to follow along if you've got friends that are looking to subscribe to this kind of stuff then yeah definitely get them uh, these links share these things with them and if you're interested in you know seeing some certain features of ETF tracker or you're interested in certain types of ETFs or you just want help um, we can either help you out directly or we can point you in the right direction so That's it. I'm Mark. Thanks for watching and uh, we hope you have a great week. See ya.